It's Monday, and once again, Radioactive is passing the mic to the next generation of journalists, students from Salt Lake Community College in partnership with Amplify Utah. I'm Marcy Young-Cancio, Assistant Professor of Journalism and Digital Media at SLCC and founder of Amplify Utah, and we're so glad you're here. Tonight, right here on KRCL 90.9, host Zay Angel Alvarez will be taking a dive into the Great Salt Lake figuratively, of course, and looking at the most pressing issues around the shrinking lake and some of the solutions a local journalism collaborative are looking into. It's going to be a great show that we hope will get you thinking. Zay, kicking things over to you. Welcome to Voices Amplified as we take over Radioactive, a show that plugs you into everything that's happening in your community. Join us, special guests, and other aspiring journalists as we take a deep dive into exciting stories and current events. I'm Zay Angel Alvarez, and I'm so excited to return as your host. In anticipation of Earth Day coming up this Friday, we have a really special show lined up for you today. First this hour, we'll hear from members of the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, a group dedicated to sharing multimedia stories about the lake and ways to protect it. And later, the Voices Amplify team will discuss solutions to journalism and chime in with some pop culture nuggets. Right here on KRCL 90.9, we are Voices Amplified. We're taking over Radioactive. Stay tuned. We have a great show for you tonight. Before we begin discussing the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, we would like to share some poetry by Ashley Finley, a California native who is currently living in Salt Lake City. Ashley in the building. Ashley, how are you doing today? Pew, 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 pew. I'm just <laughs> I'm so glad you're here, Ashley. I'm I just so feel more happy. at home because you're here. Oh, thank you. Hey, you're such a good homie to me always. And so um, I'm so excited to be here. You know, I love KRCL. I love Radioactive and I love you. So I love you and KRCL loves you too. <laughs> she is a poet, activist, an educator whose passions lie in liberation of all colonized and oppressed peoples and in facilitating the return to sacred ancestral knowledge that bloomed before colonization and capitalism. You can find her works in publications such as Tory House Press, A New World Coming, and Slug Magazine, as well as TEDx, Salt Lake City, and Write About Now Poetry. To get us thinking about nature and the world around us, here we have Ashley Finley to bless us with a poem. Thank you so much, Zay. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, you, you guys have me for my two favorite things, um, earth and poetry. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really, really excited to kind of share what I have um, about both. So um, this was a poem that I actually um wrote on some conservation lands up in northern Utah. Um, and I think it's actually really relevant because I wrote this poem right when kind of the big discussion of um, of like, you know, uh, like immigration and, and migrants coming to the U.S. from South America was kind of like going really viral, right? Because at the time we had a president who kind of you know, was being really, um, really terrible. Bruh. I don't know. <laughs> and so I started making these connections um, with kind of how, like, I mean, traditionally and historically, humans have always had this kind of really beautiful connection with the land. 
it, right? And when we talk about like um, the ancestral wisdom before capital capitalism and colonization, I think that that is like the four, I think the foremost forefront at the forefront of the conversation is our relationship to the land and the relationship um, to the earth around us. And so I kind of wrote that. And I think that this conversation is becoming, it's always been relevant, but at least in the news cycle and in um, kind of media, it's becoming relevant again. People are listening again. Yes. Um, And so, yeah, here, here it is. It's called Tell Me. And it starts out with kind of just a little bit of a free write um, that I, I wrote. The soil has always been home to us. Since the beginning, we have met feet to ground and named the land holy, sacred refuge. We've met its challenges with bravery and prayed to it in reverence, always thanking it for its existence, always asking it to help us remain. It has never failed. We are still here. Tell me about the birds. Tell me where they go in order to chase their hope for a better life. What better life do they find on the other side of borders? Tell me of their adventures and encounters on the way to their new homes. Tell me of the urge to set out and find something new. Tell me of the love and wonder they find when they make it. Tell me of the making it. The endurance that takes a creature on a journey from one homeland to another. Tell me of the survival, of the resilience, of the success. Tell me of the happy ending, the rejoicing, and a destiny fulfilled. Tell me about the making of a home, the molding into something familiar, the return of what was once loved. Tell me of the rest, the deep breath when the hard part is done, the sleep that comes when you, when you know you and your young are safe. Tell me about the birds, and how once they are flying, they will always find home. <laughs> Yo, I love that. <laughs> Yo, sometimes I forget, bro. Like I, I hear another. I'm like, oh, you always come with it. You always come with it. Thank what was the name of your? Uh, what was the name of it again? Um, it's just called Tell Me. Tell me. Yeah. That was Ashley Finley, everybody performing. Oh, wait, no. Can I change the the name right now? I just thought of a better name. Okay. (laughs) We can call it In Flight. And that was Ashley Finley performing In Flight. Thank you so much, Ashley, for performing that for us. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ashley. And that was Utah poet Ashley Finley, everybody. And now to switch gears, the Great Salt Lake used to expand as far as 1,500 square miles. In 2021, it was down to 937 square miles. The lake is currently at its lowest levels on record and continues to dwindle. Tonight, we're talking with several of the people involved in the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, a solutions journalism project being tackled by nearly two dozen local news organizations and community and educational partners. And with great excitement... I'm happy to introduce to you our guest. We have Heather May, project manager for the Great Salt Lake Collaborative. We have Jamie Butler, 
coordinator for the Great Salt Lake Institute at Westminster College and Great Salt Lake collaborative member Macaulay Blackburn, as SLCC student who will be working as an intern with the Great Salt Lake Collaborative this summer. She'll be working with our own Marcy Young Cancio, SLCC journalism and digital media professor and Amplify Utah executive director. And Amy Maestas, regional collaborative manager for Solutions Journalism Network. I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I think this cause is incredibly important, and I'm thrilled for our listeners to hear more about it. So, Heather, you are the project manager. Can you explain what the Great Salt Lake Collaborative is and how it's formed and the project's connection to Solutions Journalism Network? Great. Thank you for having me here. Um, I'm excited to talk about this project. Um, Yes, I'm the project manager. We are a group of 22 news, education, and media organizations that have come together to better inform and engage the public about the crisis facing the Great Salt Lake, and importantly, what can be done to make a difference before it's too late. So we um, we started this year. It's a two-year effort. Um, we have 13 or 14 news organizations, plus um, several other community organizations that have come together to do this, and um, we will be doing dozens of stories about the Great Salt Lake over these two years and uh, collaborating across newsrooms, sharing stories from one newsroom to another, um, but also really importantly, doing really creative engagement work to get the public involved uh, to learn about uh, what's going on about the lake. And as far as it, um, its connection to Solutions Journalism, um, it was funded by Solutions Journalism Network um, for the two years. And they really catalyzed this whole thing. It wouldn't have happened without Solutions Journalism Network. Who spearheaded and how did like all these companies and organizations come together to like try to work on this really great cause? So the Great Salt Lake Collaborative is one of 15 um, similar collaboratives across the country. And so we are, we're very unique. Um, every collaborative chooses a different topic. And, you know, luckily the groups that convened this collaborative chose the Great Salt Lake um, because it's such a pressing issue for us today. Um, and we want to answer the questions, uh, you know, during a time of drought and climate change and explosive population growth, what can be done? What is being done elsewhere to save water? Uh, what can be done else? What is being done elsewhere to mitigate, um, uh, air quality problems from a drying lake bed? Those are the kinds of stories we want to dig into. Awesome. Amy Maestas of Solutions Journalism Network, can you expand on that for us, especially on the gap that SJN groups fill, like the ones here in Salt Lake? So Solutions Journalism Network has what is a local media project that was um, is funded by the Knight Media Foundation, the Knight Foundation, and they came to SJN and said, we want to have you do pull a cohort of 15 collaboratives together, catalyze them to see um, if they in, can work together to cha- make a, a big change in the, a local media, media ecosystem in different places. And we fund these collaboratives for two years with the hope that in the second year, they'll learn business sustainability and how to work together, how things have changed um, in covering a specific topic and in engaging audiences so that they can beyond the two-year residency with Solutions Journalism Network, continue as a collaborative, working together, breaking down competition, 
um, changing status quo journalism, engaging audiences and communities to be um, more trusting of the news, to be more engaged in um, topics that are, are selected in different ways than they've been um, given in the past by a lot of uh, different media outlets and by bringing in community organizations, higher education, library, scientists, all of that to um, greatly expand on a specific topic. Macaulay, you're going to be an intern for the Great Salt, uh, the Great Salt Lake Collaborative this summer. Um, you originally had your major in social work and you changed it to journalism. What encouraged you to do that? Um, my switch from social work to journalism was really just the culmination of a few different events that I really couldn't turn away from. I knew that I had to do something different that wasn't in the realm of social services, but I still wanted to find a way to write and use my voice. And that's how I happened upon environmental journalism. So. You mentioned um, events. Uh, what, what were those events that made you switch? If you'd like to elaborate. Um. Well, there were a few events. I was laid off from my job during the beginning of the pandemic, like a lot of people. And I think just like a bunch of people in the pandemic, I really realized that what I was doing wasn't the right path for me. And I had to get really in tune with myself and what I wanted. And then I landed upon journalism. So I love that. Yeah. That's such a great story. It and I think fun. that happened a lot during the pandemic for a lot of people. Like there mm -hmm. was a lot of self-reflection. You're like, what I'm doing right now, is this really what I want to do? Exactly. Yeah. That's and exactly look, it brought you and now you're going to intern for the Great Salt Lake Collaborative. Yeah, that's it was awesome. a really, yeah, it was a really last minute decision actually to switch to this class um, that I met Marcy through and was able to get on the collaborative with. Um, so I feel really lucky and blessed to have gotten guided here. The universe is working. The, the universe, universe does be working for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Macaulay, what kind of problems and solutions surrounding the Great Salt Lake are you trying to look closer at through this collaborative and your internship there? Okay, I've got a few issues that I'm really interested in exploring through the collaborative. One is the Bear River uh, development. I haven't heard a lot about it um, in local media, but I really want to explore more about the Bear River pipeline and how that's going to impact the indigenous communities that it will be around. I was speaking to Darren Perry, the former chairman of the Northwestern Eastern Shoshone Band. And we were discussing how these pipelines almost always bring in violence against indigenous people. Although this isn't the main issue surrounding Great Salt Lake, it is one of the contributing issues, which I'd really like to explore. A different issue I would like to explore is um, individuals creating mass social shifts around their water usage in the Wasatch Front. And then the last thing I would like to explore is how different socioeconomic classes are impacted by the environmental crisis and the air quality in Salt Lake City. For example, people who are unsheltered have experienced higher rates of asthma because they are exposed to the poor air quality consistently. So Macaulay, tell me some of the Q&A that you're trying to do. Well, there was a survey sent out to the public um, just with asking if the public had any questions about Great Salt Lake and what's happening. So I will be taking those questions, going to experts in the areas and asking them over the summer. 
I mean, there's all different types of questions that I'm answering. There's questions about how the air quality is already being impacted, which I spoke to somebody about this week. And um, there's other questions about solutions such as bringing in ocean water, which has been done, but it's not really a super viable option for Utah at this stage. And we're really excited about working with Macaulay on this. This is Marcy, her uh, professor here at Salt Lake Community College and also um, with Amplify Utah as a collaborative partner. We're really excited about Macaulay working on this because it's bringing in uh, some younger voices that to be part of the conversation around this really significant a series of stories and really significant topic. So it's allowing Macaulay to speak to really the future of the lake and its impact, but to be part of that as part of a journalistic collaborative that is focusing on the solutions that will affect all of us, but certainly her and the generation that comes after her for even longer. And now, Jamie, I wanted to switch to you and to remind you guys, Jamie Butler, coordinator of the Great Salt Lake Institute at Westminster College, and she is a Great Salt Lake collaborative member. Jamie, welcome to the show. I think you need to recognize what a great Salt Lake nerd I am. That's how I prefer to be called. <laughs> you know, let me just change your title. Jamie, Salt Lake nerd. Yeah, there you go. I think it sounds awesome. Recently, the Utah Ledge passed House Bill 33, which allows water rights holders to finally lease their water to fill the shrinking lake and other natural lands. The bill's sponsor, Representative Joel Ferry, called this bill one of the most significant pieces of water legislation that we will see during our time here at the Capitol. Can you take us through HB 33? And can you give us your thoughts on whether you consider this bill to be a step forward in the right direction? Yeah, and I think like maybe I want to step back a little bit too, because it wasn't just House Bill 33. So this was like really um, the year of Great Salt Lake. And I hope that can be extended to a decade or two decades or a century of Great Salt Lake. Fingers but, crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. But there were, I mean, and I don't want to go into like what the different house bills were, but we not only had House Bill 33 that talks about in-stream flow. So in-stream flow is just a fancy way to say how much water is going down a river. And that's important not only for the fish that live in it and the birds that eat the fish, because if there's no water, there's no fish. It's also important for people downstream that might use that for their farm or for their house. And so what that bill did was really like eliminate those restrictions for private water users to donate water. Um, it also allows um, the state of Utah to hold water rights. If people were to say donate it, they could hold a water right. And it also is just recognition of this importance of having flows in streams and not having all of the water diverted out of them. But in addition to that, you know, there was a, a bill that um, keeps money that is generated at the lake through um, mineral, mostly like mineral, um, the mineral industry, that, that that money goes back into the state, into the lake. So instead of going into another fund to fight wildfire, that money that's generated on the lake will stay in the lake and do research to support Great Salt Lake. And we also passed some um, bills that are, are really like starting to work on some pretty aggressive conservation issues because that's gonna be a really important part in, in saving Great Salt Lake and keeping it a viable ecosystem and not an environmental catastrophe. 
And we're also going to start studying how uh, the zoning, how zoning and how like our local actions can impact water in the region. And so like we have this as uh, representative Tim Hawks um, has worked on lots of um, great Salt Lake bills and he, he, his quote is that we have most of the tools in our toolbox now and now we just need to act on those and, and figure out how to get all of this water into the lake. And so, and it wasn't just bills that we passed that were really important. The lake got a lot of money. So we got money for, to get water to the lake, to buy water. We got money to hire additional people um, to help in those efforts, to restore some habitat. Really importantly, and a lot of that money is going into measuring um, measuring the water and where that water is going and, and how to optimize agriculture. A lot of our um, water actually goes into agriculture. And so it wasn't just about the bills. It was also about the money that, that is being devoted to the lake. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking about the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, a solutions journalism project dedicated to not only reporting on the problems facing the lake, but also on potential answers. You've been hearing from Heather May, project manager for the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, Macaulay Blackburn, a SLCC student who will be working as an intern with the Great Salt Lake Collaborative this summer, Jamie Butler, coordinator of the Great Salt Lake Institution at Westminster College and also a Great Salt Lake Collaborative member. And we're also joined by Amy Maestas, who works with the Solutions Journalism Collaborative. Jamie, the work being done by this collaborative of media outlets, scientists, and journalists is admirable work, for sure, that will make a big impact, but it cannot save the Great Salt Lake on its own. What more can be done, what's working, and what needs to stop happening to save the lake? Well, that's such a big question. So... Uh, the the way that I explain it is that we've waited a really long time to realize how important Great Salt Lake as a culture. I mean, there are some people like Great Salt Lake nerdy me that's been thinking about this, but this was really the year of the lake. And so um, at this point, I think everybody just needs to do everything. And so maybe you're a sixth grader and you can conserve water by you know, not watering your lawn as much or not washing your hands for as long, or maybe you're somebody like me that talks and never shuts up about Great Salt Lake and can get information out in the world. And, you know, maybe you can rip your strip. Maybe you're a legislator that can advocate for smart water laws. I would say everybody that's in the 22,000 square miles of watershed that drains into Great Salt Lake has power to impact what's happening at Great Salt Lake. And so I would say we need to think about Bear River development. Bear River development is not good for Great Salt Lake and would really be a nail in a coffin. And I would also put it on people in the cities that we need to decrease our water consumption by a significant amount in order to have a viable Great Salt Lake. You know, I love that you said that. And then you added like these two parts to the equation. Because I think there's a lot of emphasis on like what the individual needs to do, which I think is really important. But then you also like uh, talked about what the like our representatives can do. And I think there needs to be a bigger push towards like 
keeping companies, organizations accountable for like the impact that they make on our planet. Um, and that's why I love the Great Salt Lake Collaborative and the things you guys are doing. You guys are so awesome. Um, many people are ringing the alarm. They're saying we need to do something before it's too late. Now, if action isn't taken, what is the worst case scenario for the lake? And not only for Jamie, but if anybody else wants to chime in, uh, definitely do so too. Let's start with you, Jamie. Well, the Great Salt Lake won't disappear. We're going to have a great giant dust bowl that is going to impact our air quality and our health and our quality of life um, more than you can ever imagine. And, and you can go to Owens Lake in California to see that. Um, the city of LA took all of the water um, and prevented it from going into Owens Lake. And we know that there are severe dust storms, that there are health effects, the economy was impacted. Um, there's not very many people that can live there now. And imagine that right now, you know, three quarters of Utah's population lives right next to Great Salt Lake along the Wasatch Front. So it, it, wow. it really will be catastrophic. Um, and the, the lake won't disappear. And that and that's just, I mean, I like to think about the 10 million migratory birds that rely on the diverse habitats of Great Salt Lake and the the brine shrimp and the flies. I am, am I particularly am kind of a bug person. So um, I think about them also. Heather, do you have any additions? You know, I'm not a scientist, so I um I don't, but I, um, you know, I'm rapidly learning about the impact of the lake. I'm one of those Utahns, native Utahns who um, don't, I haven't thought about the lake in years. I haven't visited in years. And, you know, I'm sadly one of those. And, um, you know, the more I dig into this issue, um, being on the collaborative and um, it's just really disturbing. And I feel bad that I've um, neglected this critical place, um, so critical for air quality and snowpack and the birds and, um, you know, drinking water, uh, you know, as, as if the dust gets on the snow and it reduces snowpack, then that's less water for all of us. It's just a, an amazing vicious cycle. It can be. So it's been scary and fascinating to learn about. I love that. Uh, I think a lot of people you mentioned, you're like a lot of people. Um, and I think it's kind of like it's out of sight. So it's out of mind. And that's why I think your guys' work with the Great, uh, Great Salt Lake Collaborative is so important. It's like getting the message out there. And essentially, you guys are ringing the alarm and letting people know, hey, this is a serious problem. And people need to care about these things because it's not like we're like right by we're close by it. But like it's not next door. So it's easy to uh, we have our lives we're living, you know and Amy Maestas of Solutions Journalism Network. What was it about the Salt Lake pitch that resonated with the Solutions Journalism Network? Why is the collaborative so primed for Solutions work? Oh, let me tell you what Solutions Journalism is, give you a definition. Um, Solutions Journalism Network started in 2013 by two former New York Times reporters who felt like um, most journalism was being done that was being done um, about social problems was very problem focused. The narrative was uh, the framing of stories were problems, and they felt that um, by leaving out solutions to problems, responses to those problems was an incomplete story. And um, by telling a whole story, then it helps people trust media, engages people um, in what's going on around their world with social problems, 
And um, it's responsible journalism and we call it hope with teeth. We're not, it's not advocacy journalism. It's not heroism or anything like that, but it's, it's uh, for it to be solutions journalism by our definition is a response to something that's happening now um, looking into how, uh, how it's, how those solutions are being done, whether it's locally or somewhere else um, offers insight of the solution and a limitation because nothing is a silver bullet. And um, the most important piece is offering evidence, qualitative, quantitative evidence, and possibly anecdotal evidence that that solution is working. Um, so we have this problem, this solution is here and, and did it work? And where's the evidence to show that it did. So for the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, the issue is facing us in the, you know, I mean, literally facing us, the shrinking Great Salt Lake. It's a problem going on right now. There are solutions. There are um, people looking for solutions. There are solutions taking place at other salt lakes, um, saltwater lakes that have um, dealt with this. There's Chile, Iran, and California, as Jamie uh, mentioned. And so because this um, has uh, the potential to have many solution stories written in addition to educating the communities in Utah about how this problem is going to affect them from agriculture to economy, to lifestyle um, environment, their health, it's such an intersection. And um, this collaborative is, has the um, great potential to do it from a solutions lens. And um, it's been, it's taken off. It's, Solutions Journalism Network's biggest collaborative so far. Um, Heather can attest to the fact that people keep wanting to participate in the collaborative. It's, uh, there's a groundswell of in interest and the, it, it brings together the, um, the state's great journalists who are not short on story ideas or ways to engage um, the community. And so we feel it's a really excellent investment to strengthen the local media ecosystem. And the biggest part of this is everybody involved in this wants to collaborate. And that's what we're are about is collaboration because we can't work in silos in the media industry anymore um, because with the industry being affected by uh, shrinking and, and layoffs and all of that, collaboration strengthens the, the, the local media ecosystem. And it just is... A, a, finds that potential to do a greater job. And so everybody on board here is willing to collaborate, set aside competition, set aside boundaries. And this is mine, we're not going to share. And um, it's just something that we have evidence ourselves in collaboratives that it really changes um, the way people engage with media. That collaboration part sounds like faster problem solving to me like having multiple people in the room being able to be like, hey, this doesn't work, opposed to like individually all those people finding out on their own that that doesn't work, you know, and bringing those ideas together and coming up with these solutions. There are strengths in numbers. You know, Absolutely. everybody has something to bring to the table, whether it's Jamie's um, nerdy science mind hey. to, um, <laughs> to uh, tell us all, get us all jazzed about caring um to helping us explain it in in layman's terms of how to um to understand 
why this is so important to the journalists who are able to tell, give us the news and um, work together to the libraries to bring the information to the masses, um, to people like Macaulay helping answer questions, getting people's information to them in the ways that they want it on the platforms that they want it. Um, so it's, a, it's just it's a groundswell of creativity and, um, and, and working together. This, we'll see the strength in numbers. Now, I really look forward to seeing all this work, guys. Heather, where can listeners see and hear about all this work? Well, we have a website in development, and um, we will be um, tabling at various events. Um, and that uh, brings up a really key issue. And um, it's not only about journalism. It's about engaging the public in new and innovative ways so that they hear and read and see the journalism and can get involved in the ways that they want to. So we have, besides our um, excellent journalism partners, we have um, librarians, geographers, historians, we have the Utah Film Center. I know if I start name dropping, I'm gonna forget people, Um, but (laughs) we have so many great ideas. You know, Macaulay is doing our audience survey. That's one, you know, initial key way we're trying to engage the public is asking them, what, what do you think is a good solution to this problem? What are your questions about the lake? What are you worried about? Um, so that that can kind of direct the journalism. Um, we may be doing, one of our partners, the Utah Film Center has talked about doing a short video contest. So getting youth involved to tell their stories about the lake. We have um, something called Lake Effect that one of our um, uh, radio partners is going to be collecting um, you know, one to three minute uh, stories uh, from people who, you know, work on the lake or hunt at the lake, et cetera, or, you know, go bird watching at the lake. Um, we're talking about a podcast. We're talking about book clubs. Um, we're talking about an anthology. So getting fiction writing about the lake. You guys um, are everywhere. I love yeah, it. We, just, we have so you many ideas. Try to get everywhere. <laughs> I love that. And KRCL Radioactive and SLCC, uh, The Globe, and Amplify Utah are a part of that collaborative. So stay tuned for more. Uh, Now, Jamie, you recently spent some time out on the Great Salt Lake with Nan Seymour. And during that time, you were in a camper and you wrote some poetry during that period. We would love to hear some of your poetry during your time there. So whenever you're ready. This is called The Smell of Boats. I remember electric air disconcerting being in a metal boat, the only thing for 1,700 square miles. The boat would start buzzing. How could lightning not find us? I remember Pat, I would count Brian Shrimp. He fixed salty boats. Pat sang Tom Waits and introduced me to lake people. I remember diversity, people, salt content, birds, weather, lake levels. Food, Alaskan salmon, sushi, smoked meat, chili verde, Ziploc baggies of frozen dinners, lattes on the lake, vodka from other saline lakes, wine. I remember the sound of ice breaking, flows of fresh water would freeze, lake currents would force the ice, the anchor line would slice the ice, popping and shooting up the breaking ice. I remember the boat settling into the water to stop, After the anchor line caught, silence and stillness, we would close our eyes and take it all in. The smell of the shrimp, grebes, salt, boats. I remember the smell of the boats. They smell worse than Great Salt Lake. The petroleum smell of the gas, kerosene, the exhaust, the oil, 
The men who lived on their shrimp boats stink. I'm loving all the poetry today. It's really like, it's so good for my soul. It's so needed. I just want to say thank you so much to all our guests we've had today. You have heard from Heather May, project manager for the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, Macaulay Blackburn, an SLCC student who will be working as an intern with the GSL Collaborative this summer, Jamie Butler, coordinator of the Great Salt Lake Institute at Westminster College, and also GSL Collaborative member, we're also joined by Amy Maestas, Solutions Journalism Network, and Marcy Young Cancio of SLCC and Amplify Utah. Thank you so much, everybody. When we come back, the Voices Amplify team will chime in with their pop culture nuggets and maybe even a fun fact about the Great Salt Lake. Jamie, I heard that when you were out on the lake, you listened to Tom Waits. That's so perfect for this conversation on KRCL 90.9. Here on Radioactive, we like to play a song chosen by our guests. So before we let you all go, do you have any songs that come to mind when you think about this project? Well, I would love to come back to my Tom Waits days and have you play Step Right Up. Um, we should all step right up and save Great Salt Lake. Thank you. And here it is on KRCL 90.9, Voices Amplify. Step right up. Step right up. Step right up. April is National Volunteer Month. Thank you to everyone who volunteers at KRCL and one of the more than 10,000 nonprofits across Utah. Looking to donate your time to a good cause? Check out the Utah Nonprofits Association or youserve.utah.gov. The Utah Film Center and KRCL present Black, Bold, and Brilliant, a series of film and media events that highlight issues affecting the Black community. The next event on April 19th will discuss the Black Food Justice Movement through the film Follow the Drinking Gourd. More information at utahfilmcenter.org. KRCL's Spring Radiothon starts April 22nd, and the ticket package selection is incredible. Just a small sneak peek to what we'll have. Tickets to see Brandy Carlisle. How about that? Wait, what? We'll have tickets for the sold-out Kilby Court block party? And what? And Elvis Costello? Wait, what? And the Black Keys? What? And the Flaming Lips? I can't believe this. KRCL Spring Radiothon starts April 22nd. Support your community radio station and live music all at once. Welcome back to the Voices Amplified Takeover of Radioactive. I'm host Zay Angel Alvarez, and it's time to wrap up the show with some pop culture nuggets. Joining me, Marcy Young Cancio, Alexi Zollinger, Amy Schaefer, and Kristen Martinez. They're all part of Team Awesome. That's what we've been calling ourselves all semester because we're awesome. And this will be our last show. We have two more shows after this, Team Boss's show, and then we have a live show, which should be a really great time. Uh, Marcy, we teased a great Salt Lake fun fact earlier, and you're the one that's going to provide it for us. Yeah, you betcha. So before I came to uh, Salt Lake Community College, I worked for KGO, the ABC station in San Francisco. And there they have the world's fastest satellite truck. So the satellite trucks are those big giant trucks that you see at news stories that have the satellite on top so they can beam from everywhere. Well, the folks at KGO in San Francisco brought their satellite truck to the salt flats. And on September 28, 1996, got the world record for the fastest satellite truck ever logging 
81.7 miles per hour. I've got a picture of it that I'll share so you can see that wow, in the show notes. I want notes. that. I absolutely <laughs> want to see that. Alexi, what do you have for us? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you feeling right now? I just watched a movie. It's just X, the letter X. Uh, it came out, I think, last month. It's by written, directed, produced, and edited by Ty West. Um stars Jenna Ortega and Mia Goth. Um, It's a slasher, so it may not be for everyone, but I'm a big fan of slasher (laughs) horror movies. So I really loved it. I thought it was really exciting and it's pretty classic, you know, horror people go out somewhere and nobody comes back. So (laughs) real quick, you say you say you love slashers. What are your top two, top three, not even in order, like slasher characters? Probably I do like Jason from Friday the 13th. Hundred percent. I was yeah, gonna say you don't like probably number films, one. You don't match match Jason. Um, I do. I actually just watched Scream for the first time just recently, and I loved it. The first Scream was really good, and then I would have to say some of the characters from this one. I mean, the villains in this movie are really original interesting. and interesting. So I'd put that up there with top three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I can respect that. I haven't seen Scream in a while. That didn't even come to my head. I was thinking like Michael Myers, and then I was thinking Freddy Krueger. Also, Ooh, right. Freddy Krueger is a good one for sure. Yeah, 100 percent. OK, Amy Schaefer, what are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you feeling? So I'm really excited about the new um, Fantastic Beast movie. Um, if anybody's into the Harry Potter universe. I am so into the Harry Potter universe. Yeah. And I'm so glad we have the Fantastic Beasts. Me too. A little bit more family friendly than slasher movies, but it <laughs> does not go without controversy. I mean, this has a lot of controversy going around with um, Why? You know, with J.K. Rowling. Oh, that's um, there's right. a lot of pushback on her with Ezra Miller. He's just got arrested. He might be getting dropped uh, from Marvel. And so it will be interesting to see how this. Ha- oh, sorry, from D.C. And um, it will be interesting to see how this pans out. So, yeah, I think with all her anti-trans comments, um, like my daughter loves loves Harry Potter and so it's always been an inclusive thing for her and now to see you know their hero saying these these comments it will see it will be interesting to see how that kind of correlates to box office absolutely I read her essay her super long essay that she was commenting on um and more than anything I'm like she just she doesn't get it she doesn't know so I feel like she still can be saved and like someone can like educate her on it and we can have her back it'd be great to have her yeah. back so uh, it, it, it's a hard one but yeah that's, that's that hurt it. absolutely nugget we'll see how that how that goes hi christian what are you listening to what are you watching what are you feeling so um last time i shared uh pop culture nuggets i mentioned um atlanta season three and <sighs> that is that is, uh, I think I'm almost halfway done through this new season. I'm really. I think in- they're five episodes deep right now because they they'll play it on FX and then they'll put it on Hulu, and that's how I watch it. I watch it on Hulu. I haven't started it yet. Though. I'm just like waiting for like this. You know when you have to watch something with someone else and then you have to like wait on everybody to like finally get around to watching it. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is for me. This has been one of those shows where I've actually been tuning in um, as to as watch a- it live. Right, just because I've I've really enjoyed the first two seasons and I was really excited for the third season. So I've been tuning in live for each episode. Um, so that's that's been really fun. 
Oh, Atlanta is such a masterpiece. I love Donald Glover. I loved him in Community, and I love him as Childish Cambino. His last album, I feel, is just like his genre. The way he did that was so beautiful. Without spoiling anything, tell me a little bit about season three. What can I look forward to? Is it everything I would dream and hope for? Well, um, there's, I mean, I've heard some discourse around this. Some people don't like the, um, there's been a few episodes that have, moved away from the main cast um, to explore separate stories. Interesting. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've thus far enjoyed all the episodes. So um, almost like it's kind of a little bit anthology right now, but um, I'm enjoying it so far. Nice. I think I got to break my pact with everybody else. I would watch it with, and I just got to start it today. I have no choice. And lastly, your host, Zay, my pop culture nugget. I'm going to have to say, actually, Moon Knight. I saw the first episode of Moonlight. It's Moon Knight and it's in it's new on Disney Plus. It's a Marvel, it's a Marvel show. Um, and that first episode is just it feels really different than what I've been watching. It it feels like a darker tone than what I'm used to with Marvel. Um, so I'm gonna go with that. And then also uh Salva the People just dropped um uh, Antencion and that song, the visuals for that song is just awesome. Uh, just like the coming up of kind of the hardships that are endured kind of by POC and just hearing some of those lyrics and those themes was just, um, it was awesome to hear. So Moon Knight and Antencion by some of the people will be mine. And that's a wrap for today's show. Thank you again to all of today's guests and a special thank you to radioactive executive producer, Laura Jones for passing us a mic every week. And thank you to our advisor, SLCC's, assistant professor, and Amplify Utah founder, Marcy young Kensio. And for a detailed overview of today's topics and conversations, visit krcl.org and view tonight's show notes. You can also keep up with Amplify Utah by signing up for their monthly newsletter at amplifyutah.org. And for a special treat, be sure to check out Amplify Utah's Takeover at KRCL's playlist filled with songs chosen by our guests and the Voices Amplified team. Don't forget to tune in every Monday night at 6 as we take a deeper dive into diversity, special guests, stories that matter, things that you care about. Voices Amplified, a collaboration between Salt Lake Community College, Amplify Utah, and KRCL 90.9. And it looks like we have some time. So I'm going to go ahead and share my pop culture nugget with you. And here it is. Antencion by Salva the People. KRCL 90.9 Voices Amplified.